Sing it. Sing the lesson. Oh, my soul. Oh, 
And on that day, when my strength is failed, my end draws near, and my time has come. Still, my soul sing your praise on ending. Ten thousand years, and then forever. Forevermore we're going to sing. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Oh my soul. Worship His holy name. Sing like never before. Oh my soul, Lord, I worship your whole. Sing it one more time. Come on, let's lift our voices, church. Sing, bless the Lord, oh my soul. Oh my soul, worship His holy name. staff this morning. We're short congregation members this morning. A lot of people away March break, but you're here. God's here. You feel him? I love it when we can just step right into the presence of the Holy Spirit. and He's here to meet with us. So come expecting today. Come expecting to receive great things from God. I'm not going to preach. Pastor Paul's going to preach. My name is Pastor Chris and I'm your worship pastor. For those of you visiting, we are excited to have you this morning. And uh, we hope that you experience God in this house. We hope you experience love and the warmth of his presence. Friendly people, we hope. And uh, if you are visiting, we'd love to have a record of your visit. There's a card in one of the chairs in front of you. I think every third chair has a card in it. So if you're sitting by someone who is visiting, uh, make sure they get a card. Get them to fill it out. Pass it in at our visitor information center on your way out. And uh, we'll make sure that... Pastor Susan gets those. She's our Care and Connections pastor. This mic sounds awesome. Can you fix it? I can say that because my wife is running sound. Do you want me to switch to this one? Check one, two. Oh. It's the Holy Spirit in this mic. But pass those in. Pastor Susan, she's away this week, but she will get in contact with you when she gets back. And uh, we'd love to have a record of your visit. Just a couple of things we want to mention. You did get a newsletter as you came in. If you didn't, make sure you grab one on the way out. Or if you want one right now and you need to see it, raise your hand. Our ushers will pass one out to you. But just a few things we want to mention. First of all, this week is March break, so there will be no uh, prayer meeting this Wednesday night, okay? For those of you that come out to a regular Wednesday night prayer, uh, I just canceled just for this week only. And then we'll be back on track the following week. Um, secondly... A couple of things, a couple of events coming up. We got a men's breakfast that's uh, happening this month. I think on the 16th of March, and there's a sign up 
just out in the Welcome Center for that. I think it's a $5 ticket for a big breakfast, and you'll enjoy that. We have a ladies' event coming up. Uh, Ignite Women's Ministries, again, is running She is Fierce Conference. So if you haven't got your tickets for that, you need to get them. we got a lot of great speakers. Uh, one of our very own, Pastor Charlene. I was going to say, she's a Gibson now, right? Pastor Charlene Gibson is going to be speaking at that. And many, many more speakers. So get your tickets. That's April 5th and 6th. You're not going to want to miss that. Um, for those of you that weren't here last week, Pastor Paul did a great a great message on the vision for 2019, and we're excited what God's going to be doing. If you missed it, you can go to, uh, I can say you go to our website and listen to it, but the video, we had some issues with our video, so we posted it, and then we had to take it back down because it was lagging really bad. But you can go and listen to it on the podcast, so if you want to listen to it, and we'll get the video up. If we can fix that problem, we'll try to have it up, but just go and listen to it. I think it will do your heart good to just get a sense of what God is up to at our church, we look back at 2018 and then again ahead of what God's going to be doing. Part of that was Pastor Paul talking to you about our building campaign. And again, you can hear more information about it there. But these cards are due back in two weeks on the 17th, I believe it is. Uh, so fill those out and just ask God, what can I do to be a part uh, of the church? What can I do? What do you want me to give? How do you want me to be involved? Don't just come on a Sunday and sit in the pew and go home and do nothing else. That's not what God intended for us, Okay. So I encourage you to be plugged in, be involved. We do have a new website up, and uh, Pastor Ben's going to just share a little bit about that. That's why he's here doing this right now. Uh, he's going to share a little bit about that in a second, what that looks like, and uh, we appreciate all his hard work in that. Uh, last but not least, that's it. <laughs> last but not least, that's it. Offering time. Ushers, would you come? Encourage you guys to get here on time on Sundays. How many come late? <laughs> How many just put your hand up? That's so horrible. I just roped you right in. We'd love for you to be here at 1030 ready to go um, because everything that we do on here on Sunday morning is important, we believe. And, uh, of course, giving is important, and so we're going to just transition into that. As we give this morning, Pastor Ben is going to share a little bit about the website, some new things uh, for giving on that. And then we're going to move right back into worship. So, um, there's no financial peace this week. I have financial peace every week. Those of you that are attending the seminar, same thing. March break, so there's no financial peace seminar on the Tuesday night. Okay? I'm not sure about ladies' ministries. You can connect with those people to find out exactly what's happening this week. All right, let's pray and commit our time to the Lord. Father, we just thank you for your presence that's evident in this house. We thank you, Lord, that you are here and that you are anticipating meeting with us. Your heart, you're excited because you have things that you want to do in the midst of your people today. And so, Father, our prayer today is that we wouldn't miss what it is you want to do, what it is you want to accomplish. So we say, Holy Spirit, come. Have your freedom here today. Lord, bless these people as we give to you in worship today. Come and abide in our praise, we ask, Lord, as we give to you in our finances, be in and through that, every part of it. Lord, we thank you for relationship with you. We thank you for an awesome opportunity to come today and to experience your awesome presence. We pray this in Jesus' name. Pastor Ben. Okay, good morning. I'm Ben. I'm the senior student ministries pastor, um, which means if there's something that involves technology, I'm in charge. So um, I'm going to, well, unless Scott can do it, because Scott's better than I am. Um, so I'm going to show you a little bit of our website um, that we've been uh, building over the last 
several months. Um, so very simple. It's still gtmoncton.com, if I can spell Moncton, right? What is this? <laughs> yeah, so if this happens, then do this, and then go to it again. Oh, seriously? <laughs> I promise it was just working. Hold on. All right, so first we're going to go here. Yeah, exactly. Still needs some work. So, okay, so one more try. Ready? Everybody pray. This is what we're going to do. I'm not good at typing with one hand or two hands, to be completely honest. Com. Okay, I'm going to show you the mobile site first. <laughs> one sec. Anybody has oil, we'll pour it on my computer. Um, okay, so that's my dog. Okay, this is the website. So this is what it looks like on the mobile. Um, it's basically, it's card-based, so there's different things. But uh, when you come in, it'll have different uh, things on our main page. If you want to check out some information on the growth track, um, all different. Alpha, next steps, all these things. Like I said, Scott's better than I am. Um, uh, on most or any of the pages, if you need more information about something, it'll show up uh, on the bottom. Uh, there will be options. Uh, you put your name in or whatever, and it goes directly to whoever. So if you know someone new, you want to refer them to the website, they want some information, it'll go right to Susan uh, if they're in the About Us, all that stuff. Um, any information you need, all the different ministries are all in here. Uh, Let's do kids ministry. So you see all this stuff. The reason we had to build a new website, we'll show you what to expect, how check-in works, all the different things. If you ever have questions about those things, if you have any questions, that goes right to Jenny. Um, but, uh, yeah, we needed to have a new website, too, uh, that we as a staff could handle on our own. Uh, that wasn't super complicated, so this builder allows us to do that. So that's why we made another new website. Um, media, I'll show you the sermons. So you can access all this. Uh, it's through our YouTube channel, uh, Glad Tidings Church. Um, but it will uh, have the probably the three most recent sermons up on the website. Um, and then that can also link you to the YouTube channel, which will bring to all the other ones. Uh, we're building a database now, working with the cameras and uh, getting it where we want it to be. But... Uh, the great thing with the new website, so it goes uh, for giving, uh, and uh, I've seen that a lot of you have been giving already since we launched it. Um, we give online through, it's called Tithely, and um, it's just a church giving website. So it shows you here if you want to give in person, it tells you exactly how to do that, which most people know. Um, but uh, so you're able to give here, so you can put your name, your email, if you want to put your envelope number, you can if you have one. Um, you just choose the amount. You can choose what you give to, um, depending on what you, your need is. If you need to designate it for something spe uh, different or you have a note, you can add that. Um, and then that comes through us. The other good thing with Tithely is there's also an app. So I'll show you that. So with the app, the app came, comes free with the Tithely account, which is handy. 
But uh, you just create an account, and then you choose the church that uh, is around. So we're the only one around, so it pops up um, that uses Tithely. Uh, and then you just, you can go into Give Now. Oh, I had to log in. Okay, one sec. I don't want you to see my password. So this is the test to show you that it's secure because I signed in before I came up so I wouldn't have to show you my password and then it signed out. So you know it's safe. Mm -hmm. It's a long password. Okay. So it's plugged back in now. I don't know if that's messed it up, unplugging it or not. But Oh, the other one works too, so I'll show you that in a sec. Okay. So you can choose give now and it'll just bring you to Yes, use my current location. And then you just go in, fill out all your stuff, share giving. Simple, easy peasy. Um, okay, bear with me. Okay, so if you want to go to the online website, call Scott. And he will, he'll log in for you. Um, okay, so this is what it looks like for reels. Um, so it's just very simple. Um, it's got kind of your main things. So you're pretty staff, for example. You just click on the card and it brings you to the page if you want to see what all the pretty people look like. Um, so you've got all your About Us staff, any of the ministries you need information on. Um, if you have... Uh, just because you guys are adults for the most part. You go into adult ministries, it's got your women's ministry, men's ministry, seniors ministry, any information you might need. Um, the calendar, I know that's a big thing for a lot of people. Um, it's important. The calendar uh, is updated a lot more than our old website used to be. Our, the current calendar that we work with, we can put things on our phone and it goes right to the website. So it's much easier. So everything that's coming up, everything that goes on during the week, that all shows up here on the website. So uh, praise Jesus for that because we were really bad at updating it before. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's what the new website looks like. So uh, if you have any questions, shoot me an email if something's not working. Like if you sign in and it's like, it's not here, then let me know because that's not supposed to happen. But uh, yeah, we're excited. It's a cool new website. And uh, just uh, we did it just to make sure that we can make things available for you guys uh, much easier than uh, it had been in the past. So, cool. Thank you, Ben. Ben's put a lot of work into that. Hopefully it'll serve us better, a little easier to manage. Let's stand together. We have three minutes left for worship. <laughs> Just kidding. We're going to steal it from the sermon. For this day, we've gathered in your name, Lord, we're calling out to you. Your glory like a fire, awakening desire will burn our hearts with truth. You're the reason we're here now, Lord, you're the 
praise must sing Open up the heavens, we want to see you. Open up the floodgates, a mighty river flowing from your heart, feeling every part of our praise. Your presence in this place, your glory on each face, we're looking to the sky, descending like a cloud. You're standing with us now, Lord, unveil our eyes. Yes, Lord, you're the reason we're here. You're the reason we're singing. Open up the heavens, we want to see you. Open up the floodgates, a mighty river flowing from your heart. Feeling every part of our praise. Open up the heavens, Lord. Open up the heavens. We want to see you. Open up the A mighty river flowing from your heart. Feeling every part of our praise. Yes, sure. Show us. Show us your glory. Show us, show us your power. Show us, show us your glory, Lord. Show us, show us, show us, show us your glory, Show us, show us your glory. Show us, show us your power. Show us, show us your glory, Lord. Show us one more time. Show us, show us your glory. Show us, show us your power. Show us. Show us your glory, Lord. Open up the heavens, we want to see you. Open up the floodgates, a mighty river flowing from your heart, filling every part of our praise. Open up the heavens, we want to see you. A mighty river flowing from your heart, filling every part of our praise. Sing, show us.
just open up our hearts today and give God full, full control to just come and pour down. Come and rain down. God, we invite your Holy Spirit here today to just move in any way that he chooses, God. God, for every heart that is open, that you're going to come and heal. God, we love that we can expect great things from you. I just want to encourage you guys this morning. Keep playing, Ashley. For a while now, I've been feeling God just trying to get us to come a little closer, pull a little closer to Him, push a little more, not just come and have a quick time in His presence and move on, but He's wanting to show us more, church. He's wanting us to, wanting to take us deeper in worship and knowing him and, and I had a gentleman visit me this, just this week I s talked to him like 15 years ago and really haven't had a conversation since and then he showed up in my office last Tuesday with a word for me and just encouraging me saying I just feel God saying that Kristen you are when you get to those moments when you're standing on the edge go a little further press a little more because there's just a whole arena of worship that you've never experienced you've not been a part of and I want to take your church there and you are the person to bring it to that point and, and that's something I've been praying praying and praying God there's got to be more there's got to be more there's got to be more as much as we appreciate what happens here on a Sunday I just feel God saying there's got to be more there's or I want to give you more I want to take you deeper and so I came into this Sunday with that expectancy in my heart and just picked a couple songs that I thought we could just kind of sit and kind of percolate, if I can use that word, in God's presence. Wait on him to do his thing and not us do our thing and just hopefully he touches it. But to wait on him and truly experience him. And then as I was coming to the platform this morning, a lady shared this with me. She was sitting in our service last week. I don't know if you remember, we sat. It felt like for 60 seconds, I don't know, just quiet. And God was just saying to me, this is my presence. This is what my presence is like. Just ah, like an exhale. So she sat in that service last week and she wrote this. During the quiet time of worship today as you led the congregation, I saw in a vision a white mist surrounding the stage. I know this was the presence of the Holy Spirit. She said, I heard the words, let it go. So she continued to talk to God about what this meant, what these words meant. And the worship time was finished. Pastor Paul came, preached, 
And during the message, she continued to feel the Holy Spirit continue to impress on her, on her heart, the words, let it go. She said, I believe this is in line with the direction he's giving to you, Pastor Kristen, in worship. So don't hold back and let it go. And I don't know what that'll look like. I'm not here to work things up. I'm just here to be a vessel that Holy Spirit flows through. But I just want our worship times to become something that just, the six days of the week that we're not here, we're just waiting, wanting, longing to be here, to get more. Not that we need to come here just to experience God, but the times that we corporately come together are powerful. And I just believe God's going to do some amazing things in our worship times. But he's there. He hasn't changed. He's the same, but he's just waiting for us to let it go. He's waiting for us to step a little bit further, push a little closer, abandon ourselves maybe a little bit more, get rid of the junk, and just say, God, just do what you want to do. Come apart. Just be on. I don't know. Not worried about what people think even in our worship. Express our love and our gratitude to God in that way where it's just abandoned to ourselves. So Holy Spirit, we're just here today to receive from you, to surrender to you, to say, have your way. We're here to let it go, let it go. Let the rain come. Let the rain come. Fall on me, fall on me. Real simple. Sing that again. Let the rain come. Let the rain come. Rain of heaven pours. Fall on me. Fall on me. Open up the windows of heaven. Open up the windows of heaven. Father, open up the windows of heaven. Open up the windows of heaven. Let the rain come. Oh, let the rain come. Fall on.
Sing it out.
is here. Feel the rain of your love. Feel the wind of your spirit. Now the heartbeat of heaven. Let us hear. Have your way, Lord. Have your way, Lord. Have your way, Lord. Open the flood. One more time, Lord. Father, would you show us something fresh this morning? Who you say you are, you'll do what you say you'll do. I promise. You'll be who you've always been to us, Jesus. So, Lord, our hope is in you. Find our strength in your mighty arm. Our strength in your mighty name. And you are peace, Father, in the darkest rain. Our peace in the darkest day remains. will always be Jesus. Let's sing that again. You are who you say you are. You are who you say you are. And he will do. You'll do what you say you'll do. Oh, Lord, you'll be who you've always been to us, Jesus. Do you need hope this morning? I hope. 
feeling weak, you need strength, our strength. strength in your mind. It's the name of Jesus. Yes, our peace in the darkest day. See this we know, we will see the enemy run. This we know, we will see the victory come. And we hold on to every promise you've ever made. Jesus, you are
Yeah, Jesus, you are unfailing. Yeah, we trust you, Lord. We trust you, Lord. Hallelujah. Good. Good morning. Amen. Look forward to ministering the word. I got to confess as a pastor, it's always kind of challenging to preach a message on your heart on long weekends because you just don't know who's going to show up. And I hate to say this, but you don't want to waste the message. But it's not wasted because you're here and you just have to trust the Lord has here, who he wants here, and the words for somebody here this morning. Our scripture this morning is in Matthew 26. When we were in Israel a couple of weeks ago, we had the privilege of visiting the uh, uh, small town of Nazareth. It's kind of developed into a little city now, but there's still a corner they've, where they've reserved uh, uh, in period costume and everything that was there a couple thousand years ago, they kind of made it in that period. It's really fascinating. And one of the things that we got to do when we were in Nazareth was visit the olive press, uh, still the ancient olive press that is still used some places around the world. But as our guide who was Jewish and, and didn't really see the comparisons that I saw, but as she was Talking about the olive press and how it works, I couldn't help but my mind go to this passage of scripture that I want to share with you because I believe there's great symbolism in it and also a great picture of how God works in our life. And the scripture is in Matthew 26, and if we have the uh, picture of the olives, you can bring that up too if that works for you. But Matthew 26, beginning to read at verse 31. I'm reading from the Passion Translation, and Matthew writes these words. Along the way to the Mount of Olives, Jesus said to his disciples, Before the night is over, you will all desert me. This will fulfill the prophecy of the scripture that says, I will strike down the shepherd and all the sheep will scatter far and wide. But after I am risen, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. Then Peter spoke up and said, Even if all the rest lose their faith and fall away. You ever think that way of yourself? I will still be beside you, Jesus. Are you sure, Peter, Jesus said? In fact, before the rooster crows a few hours from now, you will have denied me three times. Peter replied, I absolutely will never deny you, even if I have to die with you. And all the others said the same thing. Then Jesus led his disciples to an orchard called Gethsemane. He told them, sit here while I go and pray over there. He took Peter, James, and John with him. However, an intense feeling of great sorrow plunged his soul into deep sorrow and agony. And he said to them, My heart is overwhelmed and crushed with grief. It feels as though I'm dying. Stay here and keep watch with me. Then he walked a short distance away, and overcome with grief, he threw himself face down on the ground and prayed, My father, if there's any way that you can deliver me from this suffering, please take it from me. Yet what I want is not important. For I only desire to fulfill your plan for me. Then an angel from heaven appeared to strengthen him. Later he came back to the three disciples and found them all sound asleep. 
He awakened Peter and said to him, Do you lack the strength to stay awake with me for even just an hour? Keep alert and pray that you'll be spared from this time of testing, that you won't fail this testing. You should have learned by now that your spirit is eager enough, but your humanity, your flesh, is weak. Then he left him for a second time to pray in solitude. He said to God, My Father, if there's not a way that, I, that you can deliver me from this suffering, then your will must be done. He came back to the disciples and found them sound asleep, for they couldn't keep their eyes open. So he left them and went away to pray the same prayer for the third time. When he returned again to the disciples, he awoke them saying, Are you still sleeping and resting? Don't you know the hour has come for the Son of Man to be handed over to the authority of sinful men? Get up and let's go, for the betrayer has arrived. And then a couple of verses from Hebrews 12. Consider carefully how Jesus faced such intense opposition from sinners and opposed their own, who opposed their own souls so that you won't become worn down and cave in under life's pressures. After all, you have not yet reached the point of sweating blood in your opposition to sin. In Israel, the olive harvest takes place between October and mid-December. And once all the olives are actually collected, then they are placed into a large stone basin. We have a picture here of this large stone basin in which there's a millstone. Remember the idea of a millstone? Jesus said on one occasion, if you cause one of these little ones to stumble or fall away, it'd be better for a millstone to be tied around your neck and cast into the sea. Well, this millstone is in this large basin that has a large wooden beam attached to it upon which a donkey is yoked. And as the donkey goes round and round uh, the circle, that stone is crushing all of the olives and all of the seeds in the olives, which also contain oil. Well, once all that is finally mushed together, it kind of looks like a mud. And they take all the, the remains, the, 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 the flesh and the seed and all that's crushed, and they put it into these baskets that kind of look a bit like a spare tire, you know, without the middle. They're made of a, of a flexible material or, or a heavy cloth, and so it's all placed inside, and they're porous enough that the oil can still begin to leak through. Once these baskets are filled, at about 8 to 10 at a time, they're taken over uh, to another part of a vat where they are stacked on top of each other, and they allow the simple weight of one basket upon another to kind of bear down on each other, and as they do, the first flow of oil that goes into the vat that they collect is actually what we call extra virgin oil. That's where we get the extra virgin oil. And that was used primarily in Bible times for temple purposes. So that extra virgin oil would have been used to uh, light the menorah in the holy place, used to anoint uh, prophets and kings and priests. Well, once all that oil has seeped out, what they do is they leave those baskets there for a second press. At which time, as you can see here, a large beam with, a, with a, a stone, a capstone, and some weights on the end is placed over those baskets. And for the second press, only one stone is placed on the end of that beam. Now, a stone itself weighs four to 500 pounds. And so as you can imagine, the, the weight bears upon the capstone, pushes against those baskets in which all that olive uh, remains still are there. And in that second press, what comes out and what's collected below is simply regular olive oil. And that's used for everyday purposes. It would be used for um, 
you know, for cooking, it would be used for cosmetics, for medicine, things like that, just everyday purposes. Well, before the crushed olives and seeds are finally discarded, they are submitted to a third press. And in the third press, another stone is added. So now you have about 1,000 pounds that are on this beam pressing against that capstone, pressing against the basket containing the olives, and the final vestiges of all those, those uh, olives and all the oil is squeezed out, but along with that oil in that final press come little fragments of the flesh of the olive and little bits of the seed. And what they would do is collect this, and this would be used for lighting lamps. It's interesting, I find, that on the night that Jesus was to face the greatest challenge in his life, Jesus knew he would never pull it off, he would never be able to do it, unless he received strength from God. And so taking the disciples with them, Jesus goes into the Garden of Gethsemane to be alone with God. Jesus often went into the garden. It was a quiet, tranquil place. That's where he often went in his, in his time in Jerusalem to spend time alone with his heavenly Father. And so he goes into the Garden of Gethsemane. What's interesting is the name Gethsemane literally means olive press. That's what Gethsemane means, olive press. And it was here that every single last ounce of Jesus' self-will you might say, of his flesh, was squeezed out of him until he received strength enough from the Father to be totally submitted to what he wanted to do because he knew the Father's way was best. But what I want us to see tonight is not only what, or this morning, this is still early in the day, what I want us to see this morning is that not only what Jesus did was a prophetic, but it was very purposeful for you and me. Because I want us to see in this that God uses the exact same process to show us how we can have victory over sin. We can have victory in the midst of the things that we struggle with, and we really can experience God's highest purposes for our lives. I don't believe, as I was standing there listening to the tour guide talk about this process, I don't believe it was any coincidence that Jesus submitted himself three times to God's pressing that night in the Garden of Gethsemane that means the oil press. For example, you may recall, as we just read earlier, that as Jesus drew near to the garden, he said this in verse 38 to the disciples. He said, my heart is overwhelmed and what? Crushed with grief. Overwhelmed and crushed with grief. It feels as though I am dying. I believe it was the fulfillment of the words of the Isaiah, of prophet Isaiah who said in chapter 53, some 700 years before, he said this of Jesus, it was the Father who was pleased to crush him and to make him suffer. Why? The Lord made his life a penalty offering, but he will still see his descendants and live a long life. As he comes through what the Father had for him, we know that not only Jesus died, but he resurrected. He will complete the things the Lord wants him to do. What I want us to understand this morning is that the battle that Jesus fought on that Passover weekend, it was not won on the cross. Our victory was won on the cross. He became the penalty for our, he took on the penalty for our sin. Our victory was won in the cross, but Jesus' victory was won in the garden. That's where his battle was fought. 
And that's where he won and was enabled and empowered by God to move forward to the cross. Jesus overcame the powers of hell and he completed what the Father wanted to do because first he overcame the powers of his own flesh and brought them with the Father's help into submission to God's plan. I want you to notice that Jesus did not let his struggle turn him away from God. And yet how often that happens to us. Struggle comes our way, pressures begin to bear down on us, and what's the first thing our flesh wants to do? Turn from God. Even get upset with God. Maybe even shake our fist at him and say, it's your fault. That's what our flesh wants to do because our flesh wants to stay in control. Jesus didn't do that. Instead, he brings his struggle to God. And I want us to catch that this morning because that's absolutely key. Jesus leads the disciples into the garden, and he tells them in Luke's account, he says this to the disciples, keep praying for, are you with me? Strength. I want us to understand, friends, when Jesus went into the garden that night to pray, he wasn't wrestling with the Father. No, no, no. He was wrestling with the flesh. And he brought his flesh into the presence of the Father, the only one who could give him the strength to conquer his flesh. There's a big difference. You see, we think because we believe the devil when he whispers in our ear that our fight's against God. No, our fight is with God against the flesh and against the world and against the devil. There's a whole lot of difference. And he wants to keep you from your father and blame your father so that you never have strength to fight him and you are always conquered and you always lose and you continue in your brokenness and sin. Another scripture says, another gospel records this incident and says that Jesus was overcome with grief as well. They all say that he's overcome with grief. The weight of the struggle is pressing down on him. And Jesus goes a little further, Matthew says, and he throws himself to the ground and he prays, Father, if there's any way that you can deliver me from this suffering, please take it from me. Read this with me. Yet what I want is not important. For I only desire to fulfill your plan for me. That doesn't make sense. What I want is not important, for I only desire to fulfill your plan for me. So are you saying it's not important that you want to fulfill God's plan for you? No, no, no. I really believe what Jesus is saying here, as we'll see in Scripture in a moment. He's saying what I want, what my flesh wants, is not important. I only, what? My spirit only desires to do your plan for me. And friends, we all understand that fight. We all understand that fight. We come to the crossroad and we know what our flesh wants and we know what our flesh is craving for. We know what it's used to doing. But our spirit is inside of us saying, no, I only desire to do, Father, what you want me to do because I know your way is freedom. And that's what I want. So there's that conflict. And then an angel appears after that first time and ministers to him. Another gospel says that Jesus actually prayed for an angel to come, and it came in response to his prayer. And then he returns to the disciples, of course, and he finds them to sleep. And and he asks them, why couldn't you pray at least an hour with me? And, And that seems to say to me that when Jesus went to pray each time, he didn't just go and pray that one line. Father, take this from me. Nevertheless, your will but mine be done. Back to the disciples. Back to prayer. Father, no, no, it means to me that that we see that Jesus struggled in prayer for at least an hour, 
maybe two hours every time he went to prayer. There was a struggle that was going on that lasted a long time. And the fact that Matthew records the same theme every time of Jesus saying, please deliver me, yet only what you want, not what I want. The fact that Jesus goes back and prays that same prayer, it says to me that Jesus was wrestling with the same single issue over and over and over again until he won. And friends, there needs to come a depth in our walk with Christ. As we see in his example, we've got to get away from this shallow, superstitious faith that just says, oh God, whatever your will is. No, you see, Jesus knew God's revealed will just like we know God's revealed will. He speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us by the Holy Spirit. He says, you know what I'm asking of you. You know what I have for you. It's just up to you whether or not you want to contend for it. That's the only difference. Do you want to contend for it? Do you want truth? Do you want freedom? Do you want my will rather than yours? Do you want that? then you need to go back again and again and again and again, leaning on the Father until that is broken and there's victory. The Bible says in Hebrews 5, during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard. Why? Because of his reverent submission. Don't miss that. Don't miss that. The Lord just opened that this morning when I was just going through my notes again. I just really felt the Holy Spirit say, listen, it's not enough just to come before the Father. What so many of us do, we come into prayer, and you know what we do? We come and we bring our need, or we bring our sin, or we bring our struggle, and we justify it. Yeah, we're not asking for strength to change. We're not asking God to break us. We're not asking him to make us more like Christ. We come to him and we say, Lord, if they would only change, then I wouldn't feel this way. If this situation were different, then I wouldn't react that way. That person really gets under my skin. And you see, nothing happens. Because we don't come in reverent submission. We don't come saying, Holy Spirit, show me where you need to break me. Show me where I'm less than Christ. Show me where I'm shallow, where I'm small, where I'm bitter, where I'm unforgiving, where I'm wounded, whatever it may be. Show me. Instead, we justify ourselves, and we leave the same as when we came. The first press that Jesus submitted himself to, it brought a measure of victory, a measure of reprieve. And then an angel comes and ministers to him, and the angel comes to minister to him for what he just came through, but also to minister to him for what is still to come. It's not over yet. We kind of see a boxer in the ring, right? They put the stool there. You sit down, rub the shoulders, pat the brow, whatever, you know, patch up the eyes, whatever may be happening. Give them some water. Because why? There's 11 more rounds coming. And the same thing the, the, the angel was doing for the Lord. And so Jesus returns a second time and then a third and final time. And Luke writes these words, that Jesus prayed even more passionately. Think about that for a moment. Because when you think of our tendency, it's to what? Maybe come in strong. But the longer we pray, the weaker we get. The longer we pray, the more discouraged we get. The longer it seems to take, the more we we tend to just kind of give up or let our minds drift or go on to other things or just say, I guess God's missing me. No, Jesus prayed even more passionately. Even though he was feeling crushed and and he came agonizing in prayer for the Father, maybe for an hour or two, when he goes in the next time, he prays even more passionately like one being sacrificed until he was in such intense agony of spirit that his sweat became drops of blood dripping onto the ground. 
Now, Jesus had warned the disciples to be praying for strength that night so they would not fail the test that was about to come. But when he comes back, he finds them asleep. In another gospel, we read the words that overcome with grief, overwhelmed with grief, they were asleep. Something else I noticed in that scripture, somebody else who was overwhelmed with grief, you know who it was? Jesus, the same phrase is used for both of them. The disciples were overwhelmed with grief, and they became exhausted, and they fell asleep. Jesus was overwhelmed with grief. He went into the garden alone to be with his Father, where he received strength and was ministered to by an angel. Do you see the difference? Same God, same availability, two different choices, Two different outcomes. And sure enough, when the mob arrives and it arrests Jesus, they all flee and they abandon him. But it was just as Jesus had told them a short time before. In John 16, John records these words. Jesus says, the time has come when you will all be scattered and each one of you will go your own way, leaving me alone. But then what does Jesus say? Yet I am never alone, for the Father is always with me. What a difference that comes from abiding. It comes from discipline. It comes from when everybody else is busy doing things. Jesus desires to be alone with the Father. He has a relationship, and he turns to him at every turn. And then Jesus went on to say this in John to them. He said, everything I have taught you is so that the peace that is in me will be in you and will give you great confidence as you rest in me. You see, Jesus said, I know what it is to rest in the Father. And you've got to learn what it is to rest in me if you're ever going to have freedom. And we see that peace and that confidence was modeled in Jesus as he moves into the hellish darkness of that night. I thought it was interesting that as Jesus was arrested, that's really just where it begins. He's arrested in the Mount of Olives, and he's taken across the Kidron Valley to make his way up to Jerusalem, where the mock trial is going to take place, and Caiaphas' house, and everything else that is before him that next day. I found it interesting that the name Kidron actually means to grow dark, to mourn. You just have this image that when Jesus was arrested that night, that was dark enough. But as he moves into, from that prayer time, where he wins that strength and that victory, as he moves from there, everything before him is dark. And it's getting increasingly dark as he moves through the night and into the next day. It was as Jesus had said to those who plotted his death. You see, when they came to, to arrest him that night, they already had everything else planned out. Before they ever came to arrest him, they said, this is the plan. This is what we're going to do. These are the steps. These are how we're going to get him from there to the cross. Here's how it's going to all work out. So they already knew what they had in store, what they had planned. Jesus said this when they came to arrest him. You could have seized me at any time during the day. But in the darkness of night, you have now found your time. Get this. For it belongs to you and to the prince of darkness. It belongs to you and to the prince of darkness. And friends, for every single one of us, there are times that we move into darkness. We move into dark seasons. And it seems like everything is upside down. 
It seems like the enemy is in control. It seems like you can't even feel the presence of God. It seems like everything that is happening is not fair. And in the natural, it's not fair. It seems like everything hell has, they are just throwing at you. Friends, they did the exact same thing to Jesus. But you know what? No matter how hard they came at him, no matter how dark it was, no matter how unfair, how unjustified, everything that was done to Jesus, they could not throw him off his game. They could not deter him. They could not dissuade him. They tried everything, and nothing worked. And one of the very few times that Jesus actually spoke through that night was in response to Pilate, the Roman governor, who said this to Jesus in John 19. He said, Jesus, don't you know I have power to set you free and power to have you crucified? And it wasn't from a heart that was resentful. It was a heart that was resolute. Jesus said this, the only power you have over me is the power given to you by God. God's in control. You see, I know my father because when push comes to shove, I turn to my father. When, it, when the pressure begins to bear down on me, I just press in more to the father. You're not going to get me off my game because I turn to him. That's where I go. He's my rock. I have a relationship with him that I've built up with him. I know I can trust him. My fight's not against him. My fight's against you. And the more you come against me, the more you're going to drive me into his arms. That's how it works. That's how it's meant to work. That's why he's our shelter in the time of the storm. That's why he's our high tower. That's why he's our rock. That's why he's everything that we need. He is there. It's the devil who says, oh, you can't go there because God did this. God says, no, the enemy is coming against you. I have a purpose for this. He's coming against you. But you turn to me, and I will give you strength to overcome, as we'll see in a couple scriptures in just a moment here. I'm glad I'm preaching this today. Now, notice the contrast with the disciples, with their first experience under pressure. I mean, only a couple hours have passed since Jesus told them that they would desert him, and Peter would deny him. Now, Mark writes this as their response. Peter was insistent and, and, and replied emphatically, I will absolutely not. You ever say that? Oh, you know, when you're in church, oh, God, you're so good. I'll serve you for all my, all my life. This we know, right? The victory's won. This we know, we've overcome. Hallelujah. But then you step out into the darkness. You feel a little bit of pressure applied to your life. That was Peter. He said, I will absolutely not, Lord. Under no circumstances will I ever deny you. Even if I have to die with you. And get this. And all the others repeated the same thing. It wasn't just Peter. They all said the same thing. So the question becomes, then why in the world did they scatter so quickly? It's because, as Jesus said earlier, your spirit is eager enough, but your flesh is weak. Your flesh is weak. The Aramaic says, your flesh is failing. Friends, your flesh will always fail you. Your flesh will always choose the path of least resistance. Your flesh will always spiritualize your disobedience. Your flesh will always justify your carnality and your self-preserving actions and decisions. Your flesh will fight you every step of the way to the olive press because it knows that to submit to God's press is to die to what you want. Your flesh knows that. 
that he's going to kill what you want. Why? So that you can have what he has for you. That you can actually have what your spirit is longing for. Friends, we've all been there. Oh, Lord, even Paul talked about Romans 7. This is what I know I should do. My spirit, oh, Lord, I want, I want. But your flesh will be right there to shut it down if you let it. If you turn into yourself, if you let yourself become overwhelmed. You see, the disciples, they were very sincere, just like we are. They were very eager, you might say. But instead of bringing their overwhelming grief to God, they allowed their grief to consume them. They allowed their grief to exhaust them to the point of falling asleep. You ever felt that way? You wake up in the morning, and it's not because you're tired, you had lots of sleep, but you consider what's in front of you that day, or maybe some issue you're going through, or maybe a difficult marriage, a financial struggle, whatever it may be, and what do you want to do? You just want to roll over and stay in bed, right? I just don't want to have to face that. I don't have the strength to face that. You see, we all can experience times of overwhelming pressure, overwhelming sorrow, overwhelming grief, just being overwhelmed with despair. But the question is, what do you do with that? Because Jesus went through the exact same thing, but his outcome was totally different. And he is our example of how it can be different for us as well. Jesus brought his struggles with his flesh into the Father's presence, received strength to conquer them, and it didn't happen through a simple prayer of God, if it's your will, let it happen. It happened by contending for what he knew was the Father's revealed will, and he contended until his flesh was rendered powerless and his spirit was in control. The disciples didn't submit themselves to that olive press, even though Jesus had warned them a short time earlier to pray for strength in order to pass the test that was to come. And because they did not allow God to squeeze out their flesh, what happened? When the enemy came, all he had to do was apply the slightest bit of pressure, and they fled. In fact, they fled so frantically that Mark tells us one of the disciples ran away naked. Somebody laid their hands on him trying to arrest him, and he was so frightened, he just tore his clothes off, and he ran for his life. Those were the brave disciples who earlier said, Lord, we will die with you. We love you. We want to serve you. It's great being around you. All the things we've seen you do, all the things you've been part of, Lord, it's wonderful serving you. And they fled. Does that sound familiar? Fleeing under pressure? Does that sound familiar? Giving into your flesh? Sincere, eager, and weak? I really think the olive press, with the three stages that are represented, really speak of three stages that we all find ourselves in, one place or the other, and sometimes at one time or another. And yet it's only the third press that really finds freedom and the fullness of life that Jesus wants for us. When I think of the first press, I think of that first stage where every believer is at one point or another. It's where every believer experience, that every believer experiences. Unfortunately, for many of us, we stay at that first press. That's where we stay. You see, I just kind of picture that first stage, that first press, as we first come to Christ. As Paul says, the old things have passed away, everything is new. 
We have this new life in Christ. We have this, this new flow of life. We have this anointing that's upon our lives, and it's a wonderful thing. There's not necessarily a whole lot of pressure that comes at that first stage, maybe a little bit of pressure from loved ones or whatever the case may be if they're not really into what we're going through, but, but essentially uh, there's been life change. But you see, at that first level, it's not long before that life change becomes a lifestyle. We call it Western Christianity. It's sincere, but it's not necessarily spirit-controlled. The second press is what I would liken to that place where the lordship of Jesus Christ actually begins to impact your life. The second press is where your life actually becomes shaped because you are spending time in the presence of the Lord. You're allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to you. You're allowing the word of God that is sharper than any two-edged sword to enter into your mind, into your heart, into your troubles, into your struggles, into your relationships, whatever it may be. And you're feeling the weight of God's word, the weight of his presence. And you're, you're sensing him calling you to allow him to conform you to what it is he wants to shape in you. And he's doing that when you're in that second press. There's a, it's a sign of spiritual maturity. And that's also a stage where many, many of us live. Uh, there are many of us who have a regular time in God's Word. We'll read something in the Scripture. We'll say, okay, Lord, help me to walk this out. And we'll feel the Holy Spirit prompt us. And we'll, we'll step out in that and we'll obey. And we can sense that there's that level of maturity. There's a growing in our life. And yet how many of us can say that although I'm growing in the Lord and I know a measure of freedom in my life, there are still areas in my life that bring frustration. There are still areas of recurring failure. There are still areas where everything might be going well, but there just seems to be this one issue or two issues or this one hot button, and the devil knows how to push my buttons or, or my spouse knows how to push my buttons or my boss, wherever it may be, and it's kind of always back there. You know what I'm saying? Like you may be worshiping the Lord or whatever, but you know the enemy just has this thing he can always bring to your mind. You know, well, what about that? You don't have freedom there. Hey, you, you know, everything's going great until you blow up and you know another fight with a spouse, whatever it may be. We all have particular shortfallings that seem to be registered in the back of our minds, whatever it may be. Most of us still have something that lingers, and it needs to die once and for all. And I want you to think about that as we conclude with the Lord's table this morning. When do you deny Jesus when a test of your faith comes? What is that area of your life that you're always running away from him? You're always insisting on your own way. You know what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. You know what God is calling you to. You know he's calling you to come deeper. He wants to apply more pressure. He wants to get that self-will out of you. He wants to work a miracle in your situation. But your flesh is strong and you're saying, no, I want my way. I don't want to let go of this. I don't want to forgive. I don't want to be the big person in this. I don't, 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 don't. This is what I want. I see a way out. What is that one thing? And that brings us to the third press. The third press, I believe, is where instead of allowing the failure and the frustration of your struggle to overwhelm you and even to put you to sleep. You see, some of us are asleep this morning. We're asleep in areas of our life where we've just given up. Even though God can work a miracle, God can turn it around, God can do something in his strength that we can't do in our own strength. We've allowed ourselves to listen too much to the enemy. We've allowed ourselves to fight too much in our own reason, in our own strength, and we're exhausted and we've given up. There are some of us here this morning, I don't know any, I don't have any insight, I just know by sheer numbers, there are people here this morning, you've given up on your marriage. You, you really have. You've given up. Oh, Paul, you don't understand. Oh, I understand. I've been married 32 years. 
32. I understand. I understand the temptation to give up. I understand the temptation to accommodate the enemy's lies. I understand the temptation to accommodate my own flesh and insist, okay, well, I've given up this, I've given up that, this, this, but I'm holding on to this. I'm holding on to this. And I'll tell you what, my friends, you hold on to it. Yeah, you let it live and your marriage will die. You might even still be together contractually. You might even be still together in the same house, but your marriage isn't alive. It's not growing. You see, I don't understand. I, Paul, you don't understand. You understand. I said a couple weeks ago, I don't have to understand. I understand Jesus, and I understand what he can do. And I don't say that glibly. I understand Jesus. I understand the miracle power if I come before the Lord and I don't come and bring my complaints to justify myself. I come and I bring my flesh and I might bring my complaints and I bring, what did Jesus do? He agonized. I bring my agony. I don't have to lie or pretend. I can be honest with God. He knows already. He knows how I feel. Just be honest. Lord, I hate that person. Or, Lord, I hate what they've done for me. Or, Lord, my, my heart is broken, whatever it may be. Be honest to the Lord. But the whole time, don't allow your agony to think that it justifies your rebellion or your sinfulness or your flesh. It doesn't. Bring your agony to the Lord. And in your agony, say, Lord, I can't do it. I can't do it. I don't want to do it. But I know your will. And I don't want what I want. Because I know the brokenness it will bring. I know the destruction it will bring. I know the lives it will affect. I don't want what you want. I want your plan for me. I don't know how I'm going to do it. God, I need your strength. I need your strength. And you may have to pray that way for a couple days or a couple weeks or a couple months or a couple years. But I'll tell you how long you've got to pray. You've got to pray until your flesh dies. You've got to pray until every fragment of your flesh, every, every, every root of sin, the seed of sin, until you can honestly come away and say, there's nothing left in me but Jesus. That's when you can give up. And when that happens, you won't want to give up. You see, we don't submit the whole way, do we? Oh, we're pretty spiritual. We go two presses. I go to discipleship classes. I'm involved in this and that. I'm kind of reading the Bible, learning things. That's wonderful. But there's a third press, and it's only in the third press that you experience true victory, that the Lord gives you authority in your life, and you say, God, however long it takes, I'm not coming to wrestle with you. I'm coming to draw strength from you, and in your strength, I'm going to wrestle with this thing until it is dead, until my spirit has conquered this thing, and I'm walking in the freedom of your strength and of your truth. I hope that's not too heavy, but I believe that's God. I believe that's what the Lord has for all of us here this morning. We have to come to a place where we can honestly say, Lord, what I want is not important. You hear me this morning, saints? Let's stop playing games. No, no, if, you've been, if you're saved, you've been bought with a price. Listen, you're not your own anymore. I don't care about your feelings. I don't care about mine. My feelings really screw me up. How about you? Right? You give in to your feelings, my friends, you'll be going hither and yon and back and forth and up and down, and you'll get together with the ladies, and you'll get together with the guys, and you'll talk about your feelings. The Lord doesn't care about your feelings. He cares about the facts. He cares about the truth. That's what he wants you to know, and he wants the truth of what he's revealed to you to drive you into his presence where there is strength for you. Do it on your own. Do it in a gossip circle. You'll never get through. The enemy will just play you like a fiddle, and he'll ruin your life. You need to get angry at the devil. 
You need to start getting upset with the enemy, not your spouse, not that person, not the situation. You need to say, devil, you are a stinking liar. I've been swallowing this crap for too long. This is not the truth. You know what? I'm going to upset you. I'm going to prayer. I'm going to the Father, and I'm going to stay with him and walk with him, and I'm going to let him crush me. And when he finishes crushing me, I'm coming after you. And you might have seen that sounds like a cliche. Let me give you a couple of scriptures that I've got to end with this. You see, it pleased the Father to crush Jesus. And I apologize. This is not modern North American Christianity. It pleased the Father to crush the Son whom he loved and to make him suffer. You know what? If you're a child of God, he loves you. And if he loves you, you know what? It pleases him to crush you. It pleases him to make you suffer. No, no, you don't have to go to the cross. Jesus did that. But every single one of us, we still have our own Gethsemanes. Because if you don't have your Gethsemane, you're never going to carry the cross. You're always going to let your flesh have its way. And you'll never be free and rid of it. You'll never know what God has for you. And for your home, and for your marriage, and for your finances, for your workplace, for the city, you'll never know. Because it's always about you. You know what that's called? It's called the world spirit. The world spirit, and it is a lie. Okay, three scriptures and I'm done. No preaching in between. James 1. My fellow believers, when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulty, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up power within you to endure all things. We'll see what that power is in a second. And then as your endurance grows, what? Even stronger, not weaker. Even stronger. It will release perfection, maturity into every part of your being until there is nothing missing, nothing lacking. The Lord doesn't want anything lacking in any area of your life or mine. Romans 5. Even in times of trouble, we have a joyful confidence knowing that our what? Our pressures aren't wasted but will develop in us. God has a purpose, patient endurance. And patient endurance will refine our character. And proven character leads us back to hope. And this hope is not a disappointing fantasy. It's not fluff. Because we can now experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. That's what, he was, that's what James was talking about when he, when he says that, that that time of testing stirs up power within you. He's talking about when you get into the press, what happens as the enemy tries to press you down, the Holy Spirit gets stirred up in you. And he gets released in you. And the devil pities the day that he took you on. God will continually revitalize you, implanting you implanting within you the passion to do what pleases him. I missed the scripture. I'm going to ask the musicians to join me. Will you go back to James 4 and 7? Can we bring that one up, James 4 and 7? Because this is key. Surrender to God. What does that mean? It means bring your struggle and your agony to him, and he will give you the strength you need to overcome. So surrender to God. Now listen to this. I love this. Stand up to the devil and resist him, and he will turn and run away from you. 
What's so important about that? If you don't turn to God, you have no chance against the devil. And you know what will happen? When the pressure comes, you will, like the disciples, run away. You'll run away to the way you've always done it. You'll run away to the way you've always reacted. You'll always get the same result. You will run away. Do you hear me? What does James say? Instead, if you surrender to God like Jesus did, then you will be able to stand up against the devil. You'll be able to resist him. And here's the key. He will run away from you. Which one would you rather? I'm tired of running from the devil. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of being frustrated with my wife. Doesn't happen a whole lot. She's great. She's just sitting there. I'm tired of being frustrated with somebody and running away and sucking my thumb. Oh, poor me. Oh, poor me. And the whole time the Lord says, no, 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 no. You know what's inside you. You know why this happens. You know the button that's pushed. Let me kill that. No, 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 Lord, I don't want it. It's not my fault. I didn't say it's a fault. I'm just telling you, I can work something in you miraculously that can take care of the other person. Will you let me do it? And when you do, you rise up and you resist the enemy and he runs away from you. Folks, would you come? I know our time is gone. I've asked Pastor Christian to lead us in the song. As the ushers come, we're going to serve communion. If you're visiting this morning, just follow the person to your right, and uh, you can pick up a piece of bread and juice and take it back to your seat. And as you do that, we're simply going to close by, by, by partaking of the emblems. We're not going to talk. But as you're coming and as you're listening to these words, would you just simply allow the Holy Spirit to show you, if he hasn't already, Lord, what is it that you want to crush in me? I may have learned lots of stuff. I may have gone to discipleship classes. I've gone through all the growth tracks, everything else they have here, but there's this thing still. When I worship you, I just don't have harmony and peace because that always comes to mind, whatever it may be. What is it? And would you give the Lord permission this morning to submit you to whatever pressing he has to, knowing that he loves you too much to let you stay the way you are. He wants you to be free. But the freedom only comes if you allow him to crush you and you learn to battle in prayer with him against your struggle until you get victory. And you will come out of the other side. You will walk through dark times, but you will walk through with such a confidence that any time the enemy comes and says, don't you know I've got power over you? Don't you know I've got power over your spouse? Don't you know whatever it may be? And you can stand in the authority and peace and confidence of Jesus and say, devil, you have no authority except what my Father has given to you. And he only has given it to you because he wants to complete what he's begun in me. And if he has to use you like a clown to work it in my life, he will use you, but he's in control because I surrender to him. Let's bow our hearts. And just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us this morning. But let's be determined by the Lord's help to do business this morning, to stop playing games. Say, Lord, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I give you permission to bring me into the garden, into the olive press. And Lord, to have your way once and for all in this area. Next year it might be a different area. You'll just keep crushing and crushing until nothing is lacking in you. Everything he wants to do in you, he does. Will you stand with me? Let's make our way. Let's receive a cup and a piece of bread as we go back. We'll close the service and share it together.
you come, God bless you. You are, you say you are. Lord, you do what you say you do. You'll be, you've always been to us, Jesus. Our hope is in you alone. Our strength in your mighty name. Oh, our peace in the darkest day remains, Jesus. Our hope is in you alone. Yes, our strength in your mighty name. You are our peace in the darkest day remains, Jesus. This we know, we will see the enemy run. This we know, we will see the victory come. We hold on to every promise you've ever made. Jesus, you are unfailing. Lord, you're our guide through the wilderness. You are my joy. In the heaviness, I'll wait when it seems there is no way, Jesus. This we know, we will see the enemy run. This we know. We will see the victory come. You hold on to every promise you've ever made. Jesus, you are unfailing. See, we trust you. We trust you. Your way. Higher than our own, we trust you, Lord. We trust you. We have to know your ways. Higher than our own, Lord. We trust you. Yeah, we trust you. Your ways. Higher trust you Lord we trust you your way 
we will see the enemy run. This we know. We will see the victory come. We hold on to every promise you've ever made. Jesus, you are unfailing. This we we will see the enemy run. This we know. We will see the victory come. You hold on to every promise you've ever made. Jesus, you are unfailing. Jesus, you are unfailing Jesus you are Thank you, Lord, that contrary to the gospel that we hear so often in our culture, that we have you saying to live, that, Lord, that you squeeze every note of us that is set to hinder your flow, that is set, O oh God, to dry us up or have us settle for a life of religiousness that never knows your freedom, never knows your joy or victory. And so, Father, I just pray for each of us here this morning, myself included, that today and through this week, that we'll be conscious of the areas, Lord, that you would call us back into the garden to say that your work is not done, but you will complete what you've begun if we will submit to you, not run from you, but if we will turn to you. And Lord, submit to you, be free, and stand in your authority and make the devil run. Run from our lives, run from our homes, run from every area of our life, O oh Lord, where there is lack, until nothing is lacking. Everything that you tend for us and through us is flowing freely, O oh God, hallelujah, because we trust you. We trust you. Even if anyone leaves us, we know that you will never leave us. We love you, Lord, this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As we take of the bread, remind that Jesus' body was broken to show us that redemption flows through brokenness. And let's receive his body, receive his strength, and also say, Lord, break me that I may truly know your freedom. Let's partake. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And his precious blood was spilt to remind us the debt has been paid. You don't have to keep beating yourself. And if your sin was as fresh as this morning, you can say, Jesus, forgive me. And he will wash you clean. And he looks at you as if you've never sinned, regardless of how you see yourself. You've got to start seeing yourself like he sees you. And you realize that you can start again today. You can start again today, but it's not through wishful thinking or trying harder. It's through turning to him. Turning to him. Go into the garden. Amen. Let's partake together. Thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness. Hallelujah. Can we just conclude with that refrain, this we know. And as Pastor Kristen leads us, would you give someone a hug? Would you give them a victorious squeeze? Amen. And say, this we know. And if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, I meant to ask earlier, we'd love to.
trust you, Lord. We trust you, Lord. Our ways higher than our own. We trust you, Lord. We trust you. Your ways higher. 